Hello there, I'm Amy Rapone, your host and trusted tour guide toward body liberation. I'm an anti-diet dietitian who helps my clients find nourishing ways to live their lives and a mom who's hoping she's not messing her kids up too much. I hope you'll join me in conversations with my guests about building unapologetic joy, liberating fat bodies, and bringing diet culture to its knees. Welcome to Rad Love Radio. Welcome to episode seven of Rad Love Radio. Lucky number seven today with Michelle Majewski of Fat Birth. Um, Wanting to put a couple things out there before we get into our interview today. And the first thing is a reminder that we have a Patreon uh, at Patreon at Rad Love Radio that we use to any of our contributions via Patreon. Go directly to, once Patreon takes their little cut, go directly to our guests. So it's really important to me that my guests are compensated for their time, energy, and expertise. And so uh, if y'all want to help me out with that, especially if you've gotten something out of the episode that you can take with you, uh, I'd love for you to become a patron and get some swag and get some fun perks for being a patron with us. So that I will pass along. You can find that in the show note links down below. Also, for this episode, we will be doing a giveaway. So as you'll hear in the episode, I accidentally bought two copies of this book. Not that I'm mad about it because now one of them gets to go to you. So if you are a person who is interested in birth, especially when it comes to fat politics, I encourage you to head on over to my Instagram. Let me know if you are interested in getting a copy of Michelle's book, Fat Birth. I highly, highly recommend it. Also, if you're looking for a little bit of a guide to help you in your body liberation journey, I am happy to be that person. If working with someone seems like just what you need right now, go ahead and head over to www.radlovenutrition.com. Also, you'll find that down in the show notes. Or you could also send me a DM on Instagram and we can set up a discovery call together. And now here is our episode with Michelle. All right. Welcome, Michelle. Michelle, can you just give us a little bit about uh, you and what brought you to your work? Sure. So I am a birth and postpartum doula, a size-friendly birth and postpartum doula. I'm also a hypnobirthing teacher, and I'm now an author. I've written a book called Fat Birth. And my own journey to becoming a doula really started with the the difference between my pregnancies and my labor. So I was a very young first time mom, unplanned teen pregnancy. I had my son just before I turned 17. And even at that age, I knew I wanted to have a low intervention. It wasn't even necessarily completely unmedicated. I just knew I wanted as, as little intervention as possible. And I went into the hospital, you know, thinking, well, if I tell the nurses that this is what I want, they'll really help me make that happen. 
and it wasn't what <laughs> that wasn't my experience one intervention sure. led to another which you know is is common and so I left that experience just thinking that was normal and you know kind of feeling really shocked at, at what had taken place and to be honest I really just tried to put it behind me and then like I, I moved on and um, I within five years I met an Irish man and we got married and moved to Ireland and I got pregnant for the second time so his first baby my second and someone introduced me to the documentary the business of being born mm. and people who might be around our age might remember Ricky Lake. Yep. <laughs> she was one of the producers of that documentary and it just completely blew my mind how birth could be wonderful, empowering experience, how it didn't have to be, uh, you know, multiple interventions and how I had way more control over what, what could happen to me. And of course, there's always those elements of unpredictability, but there was so much that I could do. So I watched that and immediately, immediately became a birth geek, just looking into research and things <laughs> that, that I could do. <laughs> so yeah, that set me on a path. And then I actually hired a doula during my second pregnancy. And I had no idea what a doula was in 2011. So I I, I was looking for a midwife, to be perfectly honest. I was looking for a midwife, okay. found a doula instead, who just so happened to be a, she wasn't a friend at the time, but we went to school together. We were in the okay. same like Girl Scout troop together. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the, the element of being comfortable, like I had, you know, spent the night at her house when I think I was nine. So there, there already was that element of familiarity and she was absolutely amazing at helping me, but also my husband, because I felt really awesome and really trusting of my body, but this was his first experience and he had more apprehensions, I guess. So she really supported both of us. And my birth was not perfect, but it was so much better, much more positive. And then I was like, maybe I should do this. <laughs> so that set me on the path. And it took, it took a few years and another baby, but I did train to become a doula. And I really love, you know, I love being at birth and watching people become parents, but I equally love helping people prepare for their birth, whether they, they hire me as a doula or not, just helping educate people because there is a huge lack of knowledge. It's just, you know, information that's not being passed down from generation to generation. And birth looks really different Absolutely. than it did when our grandmothers gave birth or our mothers or sisters, aunts have given birth. So I really love watching people go from a place of fear or maybe a bit of anxiety to now feeling like I got this. I have all the information I want and I need. I know what's I've now identified what's important to me and what questions to ask. And it's really all about helping people become their own best advocate. That's really what I do. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> I found that very much so uh, during my 
first and second. The first one, of course, I was a little bit more hesitant, but especially in my second one, and my doula was a, a great support for me during that and just kind of letting me know what was out there. And I'm glad that you brought up to supporting the spouse so much because I, we found that to be incredibly true as well. My husband, Jerry, was a, a little bit more nervous maybe even than I was. Um, and so having somebody to just kind of check in with and uh, have somebody have his back was was really, really great. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes partners have even more questions because I've really found it both in the United States and I'm, I'm still in Ireland. So <laughs> especially even more so in Ireland, um, you know, my husband's generation, a lot of them are the first men to be in the birth space where like my sure. father-in-law and that generation, they were not even allowed in the hospital setting. So my husband's generation, like they're just trying to figure this all out for the first time. There's yeah. no knowledge being passed down where I feel like United States was a bit, was definitely ahead. Like my dad and all, you know, all of that many, I shouldn't say all, yeah, fair. many <laughs> people, yeah, many people in that generation were at the birth. So they were a bit ahead, but there still isn't that knowledge being passed down. So yeah, uh, partners tend to have a lot of questions and need that reassurance as well during the birth. Like they might, a lot of times this is the first time they're seeing their partner at this, in this type of vulnerable experience. Then They'll often look to me like, is this normal? Is this okay? What can I do now? Because maybe, you know, labor has progressed a little bit more and they're, you know, the birthing person needs a little bit more support, but the partner might not know like what would, what might be the most helpful right now? <laughs> so a doula Absolutely. can, you know, can kind of whisper in their ear like, you might want to try this or see if, you know, see if they might want massage or counter pressure or just to change position, all of those things can be super helpful. And they're all easy. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody can do those things too. So, All right. So uh, thank you for all of that. I think that was wonderful. Um, I want to kind of get into uh, one of the reasons why I brought you in here is to ask you this question that I love to ask everybody is what does body liberation mean to you? That's a big question. I but... know. <laughs> <laughs> I think to me personally, you know, it's really the belief that all people and thus, you know, all bodies should really be valued equally. And I've been, I really kind of stepped into the realm of body acceptance, body liberation after I had my fourth baby. So I'm a mom of five and it was after my fourth pregnancy, I really struggled with body image and leaving diet culture after my son was born. And I think one of the most challenging things is to kind of step back. And I've worked really hard at disconnecting my own value and my own perception of worthiness from my appearance. And I think that's really difficult because, I mean, from childhood, 
you know, we're, we're told that we need to be pretty, we need to be polite, we need to be compliant, we need, so much revolves around appearance. And I'm, that's what I've been really focusing on is like, okay, my, who I am is so much more than what I look like, so much more. And, but it's, that's, that's easier said than done, especially when we've sure. got these messages, not only from society at large, but family and friends mm -hmm. <laughs> and our, and we come to accept that. So rewinding and, and disconnecting that has been a work in progress, a work in progress for almost four years now. Tell me how in the work that you do as a doula, when it comes to supporting fat people, what do you think like the big what are the big things that we want to make sure of when we're supporting someone who's pregnant in a fat body? So there's, there is certainly some crossover. Like if you're a doula, you should be really focusing on agency, autonomy, that people can absolutely make the decisions that feel right for them. A big piece is also education throughout the pregnancy. And then of course, like support at the birth and a lot. So there is a lot of overlap, like no matter who you're supporting, no matter what their body shape or size is, those are really the core elements. Sure. But if somebody, if somebody is a person of size, I feel like there are definitely aspects of their care that should not be ignored. <laughs> like, yes. like, like you should not ignore certain aspects. Like for example, you know, there's, there is a lot of anti-fat anti bias within the medical community. So like, you need to know how that might impact somebody who's a person of size. So like they might come up against some more myths or assumptions by their provider. Like, Oh, BMI. I could just ramble on about BMI, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's it, preparing somebody, you know, mm -hmm. somebody who may be pregnant for the first time and just, you know, just to add a level of awareness. And, you know, that's part of the education piece is letting somebody know that, you know, their BMI might come up and it might be perceived as a negative and there might be all of these risks or complications or things like that, that might be said to them by their provider, whether that's, you know, a doctor or a midwife, like if a client came to me and said, like, my doctor told me that I'm five times more likely to develop gestational diabetes. And now like, what can I do? What can I do to, to lower the risk of that happening? Or can I? Mm -hmm. So that's where you might have to unpack some of those myths or assumptions that they're hearing because yes, there is an increased risk for gestational diabetes, uh, gestational hypertension and preeclampsia. But, you know, again, you need to like talk about like, this is based on BMI and no other, like no other health factors. So that's automatically right. problematic. Mm -hmm. And even, even people who are within the highest BMI bracket right? They have a 20% between, depending on the research you look at, it's between 17 and 20% chance of developing gestational diabetes. 
Yeah. And they'd make you seem like it was like 75% when they they scare you like that. (laughs) Yeah. Like five times more likely can sound really scary to some people, Mm -hmm. but if you unpack that and are like, okay, well it's 17 to 20%. It also means that you have a, you know, 80, 80 to 83% likelihood of not. Right. (laughs) Right gestational diabetes now it doesn't sound so scary and like oh you know these are some things that you could do like you know movement movement I I'm always I always resist calling it exercise because I think that's so closely linked to like calories and like moving your body sweating a couple times a week can definitely reduce the likelihood of that so like even a doula should look in that's that's what I would say to any doula I suppose who is listening is that if you don't know those statistics to look them up mm-hmm. so if you do have a client who comes back to you and says this is what my provider said you can work through that with them and be like these are the actual numbers how do you feel about that or these are some you know and here's some things you can do to reduce your likelihood of having gestational diabetes preeclampsia or that hypertension those are really the big three so even chatting to client to clients about oh like these are some things that might come up mm-hmm. and hey if your hospital has exercise balls sometimes called birth balls like and there are really um there are ways that you can say these things without being offensive <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know if i if i have a client who is a person of size i would just be like hey you know check out what, what equipment the hospital might have. They might have different birth balls. And then I would say, and just make sure that the size is appropriate for you. It, it, you know, they, they do change based on your height and weight. And then that person can know like, Hey, they might act, the hospital might not have a birth ball that's suitable for them. They might have to purchase their own and bring that with them. And, you know, Hey, this is something else you might have, might not have thought about. Like the hospital bands are like for continuous fetal monitoring, the ones that wrap, you know, those are, they, they have one size. So you may want to look into different sizes and even just seeing if they, you know, if they fit you, like some of them are ridiculously small. They don't even fit around somebody like yeah. somebody who would be classed as a small fat. They wouldn't, they wouldn't fit them. So a lot of the equipment in hospitals is not suitable. So just being cued into that as well. So you don't have a client who is struggling now struggling in labor because they're so uncomfortable because these straps are digging into their body. That's not pleasant for anybody. Yeah. So knowing those things and preparing them and also helping them choose a size-friendly provider. Like if, mm-hmm. if they tell you about a really awful experience they've had where a doctor or midwife has really shamed them about their body, that's where a doula can come in and help you again with that advocacy of like, here are some things you might want to say to your provider or what, you know, let's brainstorm about things that you could say or boundaries that you could create. So when you do like, not everybody can change their provider. That's what a lot of, I see that so often online and changing your provider to somebody who's size friendly. Yes, that is wonderful. That's the ideal. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's 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 the best way to put it. Is that's yeah. the ideal. But in the real world where we have insurance issues and maybe you're living in an area where providers are limited or you can only go to one hospital or midwives are not an option, you know, you unfortunately you might have to work with a provider who has anti-fat bias and how can you make that a less challenging experience for yourself so a doula you know is there absolutely for all those really positive wonderful experiences but they're equally there for those challenging and difficult times whether it's you know during pregnancy or the birth process so yes there's there's a lot in terms of education and just making sure people are prepared for the birth itself, for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, my experience, and I know not all doulas like to take on that educator role, which I think why we see some doulas kind of give that uh, that separate designation of being a childbirth educator as well. Um, but I do think that that's a really huge part of the puzzle and, you know, that they're there for you in the moment of birth, but also getting you prepped and ready to know what to expect. Um, I'm a huge believer of, you know, more knowledge is power, <laughs> being able to go in a situation with that, that knowledge base um, can help you advocate for yourself during that time. And I think that that's, that's incredibly important. Absolutely, for sure. 100%. <laughs> Um, so talking about your book, Fat Birth, a little bit, um, which I finally, I kickstarted it. And then of course I missed an email along the way. So I just got, <laughs> just got my copy. So I haven't read it yet. Um, but there's over 30 stories from fat parents in there. What do you feel like was the guiding theme through all of them? So what I love about each story is that every one of them really is unique. So like mm. birth is never the same for anybody and it does have all different types of births. So there's, you know, vaginal birth, induction, cesarean, home birth, all, you know, there's anything and everything in there as far as stories. But, and you know, each of them has their own challenges and difficulties as well even even stories that you know the most positive story in the world can still have <laughs> you know a moment where somebody had to overcome a fear or a worry and but what i think is highlighted in each one is the strength of mm -hmm. fat people and how whether that's the strength to overcome challenges to navigate birth and you know maybe like I'm a huge advocate of creating a birth plan, sometimes called birth preferences. Like it's a way to communicate, communicate with your provider. And, you know, things don't always go to plan. So if, if that birth plan is sidestepped once or twice or three times, or now, you know, it's the exact opposite of what you were hoping for, that, a, that ideal that you had, you know, it's, that's part of overcoming those challenges and finding sure. your strengths and, that's what I really love because so much of what, so many of the resources that are out there, <laughs> like mm -hmm. if you type in, you know, fat pregnancy or um, plus size pregnancy or anything like that, so much of what comes back are really fear-based, 
risk-based, you know, resources. And I really wanted to create something that was like, you know what, these risks and complications can happen to anybody. And no matter what shape or size your body is, you, you deserve to have a joyful pregnancy and birth. And sometimes that involves challenges. Sometimes it doesn't, but regardless, the strength you need is within you. And I mean, how often are we told that, you know, fat bodies, there's something wrong with us, or, you know, we need to be Mm -hmm. fixed or we're broken or, you know, there, there are people who are really told throughout their pregnancy that their birth is going to be complicated. It's certainly not going to be straightforward. Like worst case scenario, sometimes people are even told like, they'll be lucky to survive. And I just, what, you know, and this, this, these stories, this collection of the strength of fat bodies and that the, the size of your body does not determine what type of birth you're going to have. It is so much more, (laughs) there is so much more beneath the surface than the size of your body. So yeah, and like, they're also different and there's, um, I don't know if you flipped through it, but I really love the pictures, the pictures of the parents and their babies. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely love it. So yeah, I'd say that's, that's the, that's the theme throughout all of them. And like some, some, you can see there's, there's more, there's one challenge after another, mm-hmm. but you know, you get to the end of the story and, and hear about these beautiful babies being born. And it's a really great way to prepare for your yeah. own birth is hearing those stories and knowing it can, birth can be wonderful I for know. you I'm, as well. I absolutely wish I had that as a, as a book to read instead of some of maybe the other ones that I read prior to, uh, my first babies for sure um it probably would have put a little pep in my step but again i uh i'm i'm grateful for the support that i had during mine um i had the same doula for both of my children and um the first did not necessarily go as planned i had uh i really had wanted a water birth but a home birth was not an option for me Mm -hmm. um just because of our living situation and so uh having somebody to kind of help me through the the dip the dips and the and rises of that pregnancy for <laughs> sure um especially around the birth part uh because we had a birthing tub at the hospital I was going to give birth at but uh, as we mentioned in the last episode it was just not an option for me with the OBGYN practice that I was working with because of my size alone um uh. <laughs> that drives me crazy yeah yeah and yeah yeah people are told the same thing in Ireland like you mm-hmm. could you could book into a hospital where there's a pool and you know and then of course it's not mentioned until very late in the pregnancy and they say oh by the way because of your BMI yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like, oh. well oh. that's what I was told the whole time I didn't really mention this in the last episode but you know, I knew because I worked at the hospitals and I did a lot of research knowing that that was there. And so that was my intention. I wanted to give birth at this particular hospital because I had a wide range of uh, opportunities to do different kinds of birthing than typical hospital birth or traditional hospital birth. Um, And so it was a conversation that I would bring up almost every time I went to the office. And of course you cycle through all of these different people uh, with a big practice these days. And 
you know, every time it would be like, well, it depends. It depends on who's there that day and if they're comfortable with it or not. And I'm like, can we just all get on the same page? Like, I don't want to have to wait till that day to know because it's devastating either way. Um, unfortunately, I ended up having uh, a bit of a hypertension uh, issue, not quite preeclampsia, but, um, you know, that took me out of the running for that as an option anyway. But, um, you know, I got to use the shower at least, which was really, really helpful. Um, each of the rooms had showers at the hospital I was at. So I was able to just wrap my arm up with the IV and all that jazz <laughs> and just put hot water on me. And that was, that alone was a really big impact. So at least I was able to have that. Um, but still with my second, I was at least able to labor in the tub for a little while until um, we found meconium in his, uh, in the sack when my, when my waters burst. So I wasn't able okay. to get back in the tub after that, but at least I had an opportunity and I have some really great pictures that my doula took of me in there. So that was a really <laughs> special moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think we're told so many different stories and we hear like so much from friends, family, and some of them are positive. A lot of them are, are more negative. And mm -hmm. I think that you know, and if we're watching television programs or movies, like they, they portray birth as the most dramatic it could possibly be <laughs> you know, to get viewers. And it's, it, you know, birth doesn't have to be that way. And yeah. there's so much that people can do to prepare and, you know, it's in finding the right support, finding the right support is a big part of that. And Again, even if even if provider isn't 100% ideal for you, that's where a doula can come in, or even just mm -hmm. chatting to somebody a few times throughout pregnancy. So like that, like that childbirth educator role of just figuring out, like, okay, what are my options? And I think mm -hmm. many people don't realize that they have this huge range of options that they actually do. You know, and going over different scenarios is really important too, yeah. because, you know, that unpredictability piece of you can talk about what your ideal experience is, but okay, what is it actually going to look like if they need to release your waters or you need to have Pitocin or you need to, you know, start preparing for the route of cesarean? What can you do to still make that a really positive experience? And even if it's not the super magical, wonderful experience that, that you're hoping for, if it's something super challenging, what could we do to at least make it a little bit easier? If that makes sense. Like if yeah. this cesarean is absolutely what you did not want, that's okay. And that's valid, but what can you do and what questions can you ask to make sure that, that your voice is not lost Yes. in the process? Yeah. That's huge. That's huge. What are, what are the things that are still important to you? Like skin to skin immediately after cesarean mm -hmm. or, you know, having, starting a feed while you're still in the operating room or, you know, those, those things that are still important can still be facilitated yeah. if, if a cesarean becomes necessary. So yeah. And there's, there's all types of births and all types of births in the book too. And I think it's really great to look at how people found their own way during this process. Awesome. I can't wait to dig into the book. I, I'm <laughs> trying to sludge through one right now that I'm trying to read, but that one's definitely on my next, uh, on my next to read list. So I'm, I'm very excited. 
I feel like we kind of went over like the big things that soon to be parents should consider during the birthing process. But is there anything else you'd like to speak to that before we, uh, we kind of move on? I would definitely say, yeah, we touched on all of them. I think of, you know, finding that size friendly provider. And if you can, you know, finding a provider whose beliefs about birth mirror your own, like if you, not everybody's philosophy of birth is the same, you know, some providers take a much more low-key laid-back approach of like, I'll, I'll step in if needed, but they really, really trust the birth process. And it's, I always describe it as kind of a continuum to clients. Like on one end, you have like really wonderful doctors and midwives who are like, birth is a physiological process that rarely needs intervention. And on the other side, very other end of the continuum, you have providers who do see birth as something potentially dangerous and full of risk. And, you know, they, they really want to manage what your birth looks like. And there's loads of people in between, (laughs) but knowing what their belief is, is really important because if you're somebody who wants a really low intervention experience, choosing somebody at the side, at the end of the continuum that thinks birth needs to be managed, they're not aligned with your beliefs. And that can create some more challenges along the way. So that's important. Uh, Yeah, getting in tune with your own advocacy skills, like getting comfortable with really doing some soul searching (laughs) to find out what, what feels right for you. And if you're a first time parent, this might be the first time, like this is gonna, this is practice because parenting is all about making (laughs) those difficult and challenging decisions. And then yeah, like knowledge (laughs) knowledge is power, as you Mm -hmm. said, you know, that's getting informed, knowing your rights, knowing, and knowing like what questions to ask because a lot of times people say like, you know, I, I really, I want to make informed decisions, but how exactly do, you know, how do I do that? And knowing like what questions to ask, because that's, what's going to really inform your decision is, is knowing all your options and Mm -hmm. what the benefits and risks and possible alternatives are. And then again, you know, really tuning in and figuring out, well, what feels right for me? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, probably with an asterisk, but knowing that you can change your mind throughout your birth process too, I think is a really big one that it's okay if you uh, made some, you know, if your birth plan initially was maybe a little more chill and as you get closer things, you know, (laughs) so you want to change your mind about it. Sometimes there's times that are a too late or we're in an emergency situation where, you know, we may not necessarily have the ability to do that. Um, but switching gears is always a, always a possibility too. Yeah. There's always wiggle room. Like, yeah. you know, uh, creating a birth plan and like commit 100% commitment contract yeah. or guarantee. It's just saying like, you know what, if things are going really well, this is what's important to me and what I'd like to see happen. But like, we all need to be open-minded. You have yeah. to understand that your body might have different ideas and your baby might too. And yeah that's okay. And you can still like, again, like if you need to sidestep your birth plan a time or two, your voice still matters and you can still, you know, have, be respected and receive Mm -hmm. that dignified care. And 
I still identify what's important to you as, as you're journeying along, like labor can be <laughs> days, hours, but you're always in, you're always at the center of that experience. You should yes. always be at the center of that experience for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's a one should that I, I I'm into is this is that they should be the center of the experience for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So last things last, I want people to know how to work with you or how to get the book. Um, how can they access your work? Please let us know. <laughs> yeah. So I am, I'm currently like, I'm, I am situated in Ireland, so I'm doing loads and loads of online consultations. So like birth education, hypnobirthing, I do a lot of that online. I also do in-person doula support and the virtual support too. So like virtual doula support is so unique. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> because, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, yeah it's going through, you know, the, doing the prenatal kind of sessions online, but you can still gain so much from them and then being available during someone's birth. So I'm available. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, my website, it's all the same. It's fat and pregnant. So fatandpregnant.com and fat and pregnant everywhere else. And then fat birth can be found wherever you buy your books. So you can get it off my website, Amazon book depository. I'm sure it's loads of other places <laughs> as well. So yeah, that's where I can be found. Awesome. And I will have all of that linked below so people can access you really easy with just one click and in the show notes. And thank you so much for being here today. I really, really appreciate it. Again, I could talk about birth all day, every day. It's, it's really here. something that was so special to me. <laughs> I, I know I'm not, I'm not, you do. I, I know I'm not totally in that uh, world necessarily, unless I have uh, a client or two, which I do on occasion uh, through their, through their pregnancy, but um, it's, it's such a special thing. And I know it was a special thing for me. And uh, I'm so grateful for people like you who are doing this work um, because it is so incredibly needed. Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. I appreciate it. All right. I hope y'all love that episode. Uh, I love talking with Michelle. She's, she's absolutely incredible. And don't forget, uh, I will be giving away her book, Fat Birth. Lucky for you, I accidentally bought two copies. And so I want to give them to someone else who could really benefit from it. So if you are interested in the giveaway, head on over to Instagram and you will be entered to win. Also, keep an eye out in a couple weeks for our first Rad Love mini-sode. So I'm going to be starting to do uh, mini episodes in between the interviews just to talk about some hot topics or things that are on my mind, things I want to share with you all, maybe a little inspiration along the way. And I am really looking forward to connecting with y'all a little bit more. Don't forget to head on over to Patreon and join us to help me support my guests and don't forget to subscribe so you can catch all the episodes as they come through. Hope you all have a great day. Don't forget to be rad. Mm -hmm.